Chapter One of Hinduism and Buddhism: An Historical Sketch, Volume One. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Hinduism and Buddhism: An Historical Sketch, Volume One, by Charles Eliot. Influence of Indian Thought in Eastern Asia probably the first thought which will occur to the reader who is acquainted with the matters treated in this work will be that the subject is too large a history of hinduism or buddhism or even of both within the frontiers of india may be a profitable though arduous task but to attempt a historical sketch of the two faiths in their whole duration and extension over eastern asia is to choose a scene unsuited to any canvas which can be prepared at the present day not only is the breadth of the landscape enormous but in some places it is crowded with details which cannot be omitted while in others the principal features are hidden by a mist which obscures the unity and connection of the whole composition no one can feel these difficulties more than i do myself or approach his work with more diffidence yet i venture to think that wide surveys may sometimes be useful and are needed in the present state of oriental studies for the reality of indian influence in asia from japan to the frontiers of persia from manchuria to java from burma to mongolia is undoubted and the influence is one you cannot separate hinduism from buddhism for without it hinduism could not have assumed its medieval shape and some forms of buddhism such as lamaism countenance brahmanic deities and ceremonies while in java and cambodia the two religions were avowedly combined and declared to be the same neither is it convenient to separate the fortunes of buddhism and hinduism outside india from their history within it for although the importance of buddhism depends largely on its foreign conquests the forms which it assumed in its new territories can be understood only by reference to the religious condition of india at the periods when successive missions were dispatched this book then is an attempt to give a sketch of indian thought or indian religion for the two terms are nearly equivalent in extent and of its history and influence in asia i will not say in the world for that sounds too ambitious and really adds little to the more restricted phrase for ideas like empires and races have their natural frontiers thus europe may be said to be non-mohammedan although the essential principles of mohammedanism seem in harmony with european monotheism yet it has been deliberately rejected by the continent and often repelled by force similarly in the regions west of india indian religion is sporadic and exotic footnote one the frontier seems to be about longitude sixty five degrees east End footnote. i do not think that it had much influence on ancient egypt babylon and palestine or that it should be counted among the forces which shaped the character and teaching of christ though christian monasticism and mysticism perhaps owed something to it 
the debt of Manichaeism and various Gnostic sects is more certain and more considerable, but these communities have not endured and were regarded as heretical while they lasted. Among the Neoplatonists of Alexandria and the Sufis of Arabia and Persia, many seem to have listened to the voice of Hindu mysticism, but rather as individuals than as leaders of popular movements but in eastern asia the influence of india has been notable in extent strength and duration scant justice is done to her position in the world by those histories which recount the exploits of her invaders and leave the impression that her own people were a feeble dreamy folk sundered from the rest of mankind by their sea and mountain frontiers such a picture takes no account of the intellectual conquests of the hindus even their political conquests were not contemptible and were remarkable for the distance if not for the extent of the territory occupied for there were hindu kingdoms in java and cambodia and settlements in sumatra and even in borneo an island about as far from india as is persia from rome Footnote 2. See Codes's views about Srivijaya in BEFEO 1918-6, the inscriptions of Rajan Dracola I, 1012-1042 A.D., show that Hindus in India were not wholly ignorant of Indian conquests abroad. End footnote. But such military or commercial invasions are insignificant compared with the spread of Indian thought. The southeastern region of Asia, both mainland and archipelago, owed its civilization almost entirely to India. In Ceylon, Burma, Siam, Cambodia, Champa, and Java, religion, art, the alphabet, literature, as well as whatever science and political organization existed, were the direct gift of Hindus, whether Brahmins or Buddhists, and much the same may be said of Tibet, whence the wilder Mongols took as much Indian civilization as they could stomach. In Java and other Malay countries, this Indian culture has been superseded by Islam. Yet, even in Java, the alphabet, and to a large extent the customs of the people, are still Indian. In the countries mentioned, Indian influence has been dominant until the present day, or at least until the advent of Islam. In another large area comprising China, Japan, Korea, and Anam, it appears as a layer superimposed on Chinese culture, yet not a mere veneer. In these regions, Chinese ethics, literature, and art form the major part of intellectual life and have an outward and visible sign in the Chinese written characters which have not been ousted by an Indian alphabet. Footnote 3. But the Japanese syllabaries were probably formed under Indian influence. End footnote. But in all, especially in Japan, the influence of Buddhism has been profound and penetrating none of these lands can be justly described as buddhist in the same sense as burma or siam but buddhism gave them a creed acceptable in different forms to superstitious 
emotional and metaphysical minds it provided subjects and models for art especially for painting and entered into popular life thought and language but what are hinduism and buddhism what do they teach about gods and men and the destinies of the soul what ideals do they hold up and is their teaching of value or at least of interest for europe i will not at once answer these questions by general statements because such names as hinduism and buddhism have different meanings in different countries and ages but will rather begin by briefly reviewing the development of the two religions i hope that the reader will forgive me if in doing so i repeat much that is to be found in the body of this work one general observation about india may be made at the outset here more than in any other country the national mind finds its favorite occupation and full expression in religion this quality is geographical rather than racial for it is possessed by dravidians as much as by aryans from the rajah to the peasant most hindus have an interest in theology and often a passion for it few works of art or literature are purely secular the intellectual and aesthetic efforts of india long continuous and distinguished as they are are monotonous inasmuch as they are almost all the expression of some religious phase but the religion itself is extraordinarily full and varied the love of discussion and speculation creates considerable variety in practice and almost unlimited variety in creed and theory there are few dogmas known to the theologies of the world which are not held by some of india's multitudinous sects and it is perhaps impossible to make a single general statement about hinduism to which some sects would not prove an exception footnote four probably the christian doctrine of the atonement or salvation by the death of a deity is an exception i do not know of any indian sect which holds a similar view the obscure verse rig veda ten thirteen four seems to hint at the self-sacrifice of a deity but the hymn about the sacrifice of purusha ten ninety has nothing to do with redemption or atonement End footnote. any such statements in this book must be understood as referring merely to the great majority of hindus as a form of life and thought hinduism is definite and unmistakable in whatever shape it presents itself it can be recognized at once but it is so vast and multitudinous that only an encyclopedia could describe it and no formula can summarize it essayists flounder among conflicting propositions such as that sectarianism is the essence of hinduism or that no educated hindu belongs to a sect either can easily be proved for it may be said of hinduism as it has been said of zoology that you can prove anything if you merely collect facts which support your theory and not those which conflict with it hence many distinguished writers err by overestimating the phase which specifically interests them for one 
the religious life of india is fundamentally monotheistic and vishnuite for another philosophic surveyism is its crown and quintessence a third maintains with equal truth that all forms of hinduism are tantric all these views are tenable because though hindu life may be cut up into castes and sects hindu creeds are not mutually exclusive and repellent they attract and color one another end of chapter one recording by linda johnson